0: Hey, Emily. Hey, Stephanie. You uh, want to do a podcast?
1: Absolutely. Welcome to Cycle Chats, a podcast to destigmatize what it means to be a woman. This is episode 26, The Big O. On today's episode, we're speaking with a sexual healer, somatic psychologist. Reiki master, and certified erotic blueprint coach who is on a mission of sexual healing by fusing prosperity with pleasure, the badass fairy godmother herself, Dawn Wild. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so thrilled you're here, and I've been very much looking forward to this episode.
2: Oh my gosh, I'm really
1: excited. Hey, everyone.
0: This is going to be a really fun conversation because I feel like there's a lot of mystery surrounding the uh, female pleasure and the female orgasm. So I'm ready to dive into this interview. So my first question always is what made you get into this
2: field? It's kind of like there's multiple versions of this. I like to say that I was probably always on this track. You know, my friends who see me now doing this work, they're like, it's like talking to you in high school. <laughs> and so there's like a little part of that. But I would say what put me in is I come from sexual abuse and it that was kind of what ran my life. And then I was with a partner and I'm still with that partner that I truly love. And we moved and we were just like becoming roommates and we had orgasmic sex and it just like, I don't know, for whatever reason, we started to go in old patterns and it was all this like stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, we're gonna have a sexless marriage. And I started freaking out. And I said, I have to go to a friend's house. Like, I don't want to go down this path. And he said, I'll do whatever it takes. What do we need to do? And I said, I think we need help. So we got a sex therapist. He got us tickets to there's this thing called path to passions and who trained me is Jaya. If you look her up, she's well known for the erotic blueprint she created. And we went to her path to passions. And my whole mind was like blown. I had been like, having sex, not necessarily the wrong way, but just not even knowing what turned me on. She's about a quarter of a million dollars to work with privately, but we won this thing to work with her so we could coach train. So I'm on like coach training videos with my man. We went through a year of coaching and my whole life changed, like everything. It wasn't just about, which was great. It was about our sex life, but it turned into everything. It turned into my occupation, into empowerment, into just everything. It healed everything. And it's kind of like a chicken and the egg. I already had done a lot. So was it the thing that, you know, was it just the last thing or was it the thing that I always needed or whatever, but it really worked. And I was like, oh my God, like this, this is what people need to be doing. At least for me, you know, there's so many paths to take.
1: Yeah, people don't realize how important intimacy is, not just sexually, but where that leads to you with your partners. And like you said, you're you're still with your partner. And the greatest thing I heard was he said, what do you need from me? And that communication center, I mean, that's awesome. And I also find for in just in my own personal experiences that intimacy is different for everybody. And truly, how do you know what you like? And sometimes you think you like something, but you're afraid to dig down deep because of the stigma or the taboo of it. And it's like, no, man, this is like part of the experience. So what do you find is blocking most women to their own pleasure?
2: I mean, there's so many things, right? Like you said, intimacy is different for every person. So I don't like to generalize like women and men, because I come in with like stereotyped women and stereotyped men who have like different problems. What I will say that I have worked with a lot that limits women is this Madonna and whore complex, which is essentially we get put in two ways sexually as women. Are we more the Madonna, like the doting saint who is mother and doesn't have sex? She's a virgin, right? And all of this like thing or are we the whore are we mary magdalene who was known as a whore and had lots of sex and all of this like stuff and i think in the back of our heads we're trying to be one or the other or we're trying not to be the other you know i tell people i got called a slut when i hadn't even had sex yet me too (laughs) all the time and i was like i'm a virgin where are you guys getting this information and now i just play into it and i'm like yeah i'm a big ass whore fine. That's me. It's great. But I've done a lot of empowerment and that's what I do. So I think having these two stigmatizations is what I find women struggle a lot with, because even the variety of like, this is always in the back of our head, like, which one are we? And then like, some people will come in and they'll be like, I've been called prude and like, kind of like that stuff. And that's harmful too. So it's, it's both ways that are harmful, you know, to be called anything to be put in a box of any way.
0: Oh, yeah. I think it's really interesting that you said that because I've never actually thought of those two sides of the coin. But it's true when you think about it. I was definitely the Madonna. And then I had a friend in college that was definitely Mary Magdalene. That's a very interesting way to look at it. And I'm sure most women in the back of their minds without even realizing it are categorizing themselves as one or the other.
2: Yeah. And not only that, but then if you are categorized as Madonna, you always have to play up to that. So maybe you having sex at 16, you're like, oh my God, I'm such like a whore. I'm a slut. Even maybe if you love the person or whatever, like you have this, like, cause you're always comparing yourself to the pure saint. Right. And then for me, you know, you're kind of always comparing yourself to the pure saint or whatever like that, because I'd be like, oh man, I'm like such a whore. <laughs> like I had sex with my boyfriend of a year. I was very like, I, I talk about this a lot on the podcast. I grew up very religious.
1: I just really like, fell into the whole like I gotta save myself and I know people that do and that's wonderful but I was always fighting these two dualities so as you say the Mary Magdalene and the Madonna because I was a Madonna because I thought that's what I needed to be but like a raging Mary Magdalene on the inside but I was like I was like no no I can't like I can't and then I had a girlfriend in high school, I'm trying to remember what year it was, but she got a thong for the first time. And that was the big like, ooh, she's wearing a thong. So you think back to it now because I'm, I'm almost 30 and I'm still discovering parts of myself, like what I like sexually, what I'm interested in. But when you look back on it, you're like, God, all those years I spent like fighting this, not even outer factors, but you it's like the internal struggle of it. And that mental game, like Emily said, that mental game, it plays on you is really, it can screw up relationships too, because you're like, where do I fit in and how do I? So when you're coaching and these women come in, where do you start breaking it down? So I'm trained in
2: a lot of different modalities and I essentially have found the best way to do it in a really quick process, which I call transformational somatic healing and integration. But it's like Jaya stuff. It's like I had therapy stuff. It's like all of this parts work, all of this stuff into one. And that's where I go. But I would first say that what I try to do and it's something Jaya did to me was like, come into me. There is unconditional acceptance. A lot of people come to me with like, and this always blows people's mind, but it's like, first time I kissed my cousin, I was five. And I'm like, that's okay. And they have all the shame, you know, I have so many people are like, I, you know, me and my brother, we were looking at each other's private parts and I'll explain why this happens. And they come in with all of this, like shame and guilt. And I'm like, there's nothing in this world that you could tell me that I would shame you for, because we as a society shame each other so much, like, again, put us in each other's boxes. And so I'm like, you are not broken. You're not wrong. There is nothing in this world that you could tell me that I wouldn't be able to handle. And it's true. I've never had anyone tell me anything that I couldn't handle. And if I couldn't, I would keep it to myself. I have my own therapist, I have my own coach, I have my own thing, and I would figure out how to help this person. And that's what it helps to be trained and certified and all of these things, because you learn how to process your own sh- and not put it on someone else. So, anyways, that's where I would start with the person. I'll tell you those things. I know we might be getting off topic, but it's just fun for people to know. So, this is science based. In utero, there are pictures of babies who are. Masturbating, so pleasure is pleasure. It, it doesn't matter. And then there are sparks. In our lives when we are more sexually charged. And one of them is two. And two is like when they're like, What's that? What's that? What's that? You know, one kid, like I had boobs and his mom was a little more flat chested. You know, she wouldn't mind if I like said this. And he punched my boobs and was like, Why are you are you always wearing these? Like they're just like, What are these things? You know what I mean? And then five and seven, we have another one. And this is when you catch people playing doctor or showing each other's private parts or like all this like stuff is a five to seven really interesting and parents totally freak out and they're like, Oh my God, don't do that. And then we walk with that. Right. And then we have all of that shame that comes with us. And so I'm usually starting at inner child work. Some sort of early memory is where we're, we're probably starting.
1: And that's so interesting that you say that because we've talked to other people before that inner child, I I guess theory is the only word I can think of, but if you break down all of your neuroses, the things you struggle with, your guilts, your wants, your desires, I've even like started doing the child work where you trace it back to childhood and you're like, Oh my God, it all connects. So I think that we've had that said a couple of times. So I find it very interesting that that seems to be a running theme where it's like you have to connect with your inner child because that's where you start. That's where you start developing the eyes and the lens in which you see the world, how you experience things. And so if you're experiencing some sort of pleasure and it's explained to you that that's bad, no, no, we don't do that. You're going to continue to think that what you're doing isn't inherently built into your systems, that it's bad. And if you do it, you're a bad person. I mean, you see that a lot with, my religious upbringing, that was something that I noticed it was very guilt
2: based. Yeah. Very guilt blazed. And also it's, it's in a world, right? Cause you have to check is this person, is this child being sexually abused? You know? And I always say like, of course, check it out. But there are just sometimes. but you can do it in a calm and rational way. You can do it like, okay. Like even with the whole like kissing the cousin thing or whatever, it's like, okay, listen, our kisses are to ourselves. If you want to kiss, you can kiss your teddy bear in your bedroom, but we don't do that with our cousin, but it's okay that you did. It's, we're learning, we're growing, we're learning, you know, but you do it in this calm, rational way instead of like, yes, Incept and look, it's like, I five. I have no idea what that means. And also consent, right? Maybe the cousin didn't want to be kissed, you know? And then they have that thing. And then they come to me because they're like, my cousin kissed me. And it was like shocking moment, you know, because the consent is huge too. And, and, and learning like a lot of things I do. So I worked with kids for a lot, a lot of my life and I was a babysitter and the nanny and stuff like that. And a lot of things I do is, and it's something that we don't do in this culture is I ask kids if I can hug them. And if they say no, I say, thank you for taking care of yourself.
1: <gasps> I love that. That's so, so, so good because I think we often, oh, that's just your uncle. Go sit on his lap. My mom was very big on, you tell me if somebody is making you feel uncomfortable, I don't care who they are.
2: It's just training because we can do it when we're young, right? We like, and it's stuff that I learned, right? I learned this. Thank you for taking care of yourself is another past passion things where we ask for consent. Can I hug you? Can I talk to you? Can I, you know, all these like things. And then it was something we did in the beginning of our relationship because I'm something and we can get into them or not that I train as the erotic blueprints and I'm an energetic. And so for a long time, I have been overriding my energy and saying yes and, and not saying no to things. And so we had to like retrain my energy to say no or yes to get very clear so my partner who i'm with we're going on six years together we're about to be married we started very simply where he would have to ask hug me hold my hand kiss me all of the things and i had to check in my body and if my body said no for whatever reason right we're in a relationship but i'm allowed to say no and if my body said no i would say no and that was like retraining something that i had lost a long time ago and i'm grateful that i'm with a partner who's down for that ride
1: yeah That's called having a healthy relationship. We have, well, I wouldn't say we, just I think we all know somebody who, when they talk about the relationship, you're like, that seems really unhealthy, what you're doing, (laughs) please stop. They're like, no, no, it's fine. Everybody's like this. You're like, no. And we're so used to dysfunction, I think, as women and like in relationships that when we finally get a good relationship, we're like, is this how, like we were actually supposed to be treated? That's wild. And it's like a foreign feeling. My partner now is fantastic. He's really big on if it's something I want to do, then, you know, he's not an aggressor. He's very gentle. And that's important to me because, you know, I've dated guys who were extremely aggressive. And it was like, you'll get used to it and don't worry about it. And it's like, well, I'm telling you, I don't like this. So now this isn't really feeling like we're both enjoying this together.
2: Yeah. And I also want to say that some women do like aggression. Like I like a little aggression too. What we say was, I don't want to yuck your yum. Like you can also be a woman who's like, well, I do want somebody to pound me to town and that's totally cool too. <laughs> but it's about getting clear about your guesses and your
1: nose. Can you explain a little bit about the erotic blueprint? Because we keep talking about it and I just kind of want to get a little bit clearer on what that is.
2: Sure. So I always say it's similar, but not the same to, we have five love languages, right? We we've heard of the five love languages jaya created the erotic blueprints she's a sexologist and she worked on like lots and lots and lots of bodies and essentially like figured out and it's people right it you know we kind of genderize things but they're not gender-based there are five and they are called the energetic the sensual the sexual, the kinky, and the shapeshifter. And she realized that we all type out. And then it's type, like, it's our first one. I always call it the gatekeeper. And I always say that one needs to be stimulated or satisfied or pleasure to get into any of the other realms. So for me... The energetic is my first, which is like tease anticipation, yearning, right? Once to want, And I don't want you to go directly for my boobs. A lot of guys go get right to the
0: biz. I have to say that that, that's my husband. I have to tell him to stop. I'm like, can we just like make out a little bit? He's like, I just want to get right down to the goodies. I'm like, no, I, I want to love you. You're like, I'm shy. Stop. I need a little love first, please.
2: Okay. And so that's interesting because the need a little love is actually a sensual thing. So sensuals need to feel loved in order to have sex. Energetics, what it is, is it's more like Ooh, like, you know, my, my partner does a great job. We'll be at parties and he'll wink across the room and I'll like practically have an orgasm thing, but I like feel the energy and like, you know, we can't have sex if he's been drinking a lot because I know that he's somewhere else. You know, my body needs to feel like totally safe and, and not energetically frazzled. So when a guy comes at me in my boobs, I'm not really thinking I need love. I'm more thinking like that was too quick. That was too fast. And sensual, which is like what we kind of stereotype women as is like soft and tender and like really massagey and gooey, but also want love. They want to feel that heart to heart connection, but they're like turn on my senses and sights and sounds. And like, I always think of them as like the romance ones want one all the whole, like they want a clean room with candles and jazz and all, you know, all the things, all the things. And that's really great, but that's actually not. And that was the thing is he kept coming at me sensually and that actually turned me off because the massage massage. massage actually made me kind of cringe a little. I was like, (laughs) I
0: I actually hate massages. I don't enjoy them. I think they are the worst thing that I've ever had happen to my body. When I go in, when somebody is like, here's a massage gift card. I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to be the worst hour of my life. And then I go and I'm like sitting there and I'm like, Oh God, people don't agree with me a lot of the time, but I will take a facial over a massage
1: any day. I've actually traded and I'd be like, do you offer facials here? And they're like, we do. And I'm like, can I
2: pay the difference? I really don't want to massage. And sometimes I'll say yes. But it makes me sleepy. It doesn't make me turned on. Like, you know, him winking across the room turns me on. Him massaging me, I'm like, ooh, let's take a nap. And that's the difference. Cause there are things like, I also like to like have a nice dinner and roses and all the, you know, I do the baths like and stuff like that, but that doesn't like, that makes me feel gooey and yummy and warm. It doesn't make me want to jump your bones. And that's the difference with the erotic blueprints is like, what makes me want to like jump you and him looking at me, like I'm a piece of meat definitely across the room where he's just like, yeah, I own you. I'm like, yeah, I'd order on the menu every time
1: it's dessert before dinner, baby.
2: You know, when I do work, we do the scaling one to five and you want to get to like the threes and the fours and the five and anything that's below a three, you kind of don't want to do again.
1: We've been there. I'm having flashbacks. I'm like, God, I think it's
0: so lovely that, you know, cause I remember the first time I had sex, I'll never forget it. It's just like something that I think is ingrained in with every woman. But I had a really interesting time after my first time having sex, the man, the boy who was then a boy, probably still a boy, but it was interesting. It was like something happened in his body. It was also his first time. And I don't know if this is like scientific or what, but he totally like every two weeks we would go through the same thing. He'd be like, I don't like you get away from me. And I'd be like, Oh, okay, sure. No worries. I'll wait for you. I love you. And then he would come back and he'd be like, just kidding. I love you so much. Let's make out and have sex at my parents' house. And then every two weeks it was the same thing. So I was kept in this cycle and he was an emotionally abusive partner and it was really, really terrible. But, you know, I think that definitely informed my feelings towards sex for a long time, just because I was like, oh my God, are you going to
2: change too? Because that first experience was really bad. Oh, we had similar ones. My person was a lot like that too, and cheated on me a whole lot.
0: Yeah. I'm assuming he did the same thing. He was pretty popular. I like that what you're doing is sexual health education too. You know, like, That's so important. And we talk about this all the time. It's things that we should learn in health class that we're not learning. It's just they're being surpassed. You're not having this conversation with your parents because it's uncomfortable, whatever it is. So it's just becoming normalized instead of really being educated. So that it is normal to be sexually educated about your body, about your wants, about not stereotyping, not putting yourself in the box, explore all of this stuff should be normalized so that people can feel free to explore themselves and their safety in the
2: bedroom. I think that's really important. That's a good part of my thing is I'm like the sex education and I actually am gonna do it the sex education you never had. And I'm assuming like like there are some people who are like, No, I got taught all the things and I'm like, Wow, like that's freaking awesome. <laughs> like, yay. But most people are like mind blown by the simplest things, like just mind blown and they're like, What? And I and I was mind blown too, you know. I'm coming from a background up into my recent partner. I didn't never talk about sex with my partners. We just like had it. We never talked about it. I could not tell you for the life of me what turned me on. It was kind of like in the dark, like sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And now there's like so much conversation in my relationship and it's so normalized. Now I can't even remember why, like, I was like, why didn't we talk about it? Like, (laughs) that's so crazy. (laughs) And then people think it's weird. You know, I'm on, uh, I'm on Bumble Friends and i like, they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a sex coach.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I would be like, great. Hello. Let's talk. Emily and I talk about it all the time. We'll text each other. She'll be like, I just had the best sex in my life. And I'm like, uh-huh, same. So it's, I think it's important. It has to be more normalized. I agree
2: with you 100%. It's like my
0: life. It's it's like talking about what you're making. I think that needs to be normalized as well. That way people understand and know the difference between what their paycheck is and what your paycheck is so that you can say, why are you making that amount when I'm making this amount? Is it because of gender roles? It needs to be normalized, destigmatized, as we uh, like to say. So my next question for you is how do we take the mystery out of the female orgasm? It's a big, broad question.
2: So one, this is what I'm going to say. I think there's difference in male orgasms where I think men just come and have an orgasm is different. That's a felt experience. So I think men do come, but maybe not always have an orgasm. So I just want to say that. So what I want to say about females is... I think, again, we're putting ourselves, like, for me, I stopped having orgasms because I didn't want to be a whore. I didn't want to be considered a whore with my partner. i had been called a whore so long, and then I went through, like, I guess a whorey stage, I'm putting that in quotes, you know, where I was just hooked up with somebody from the real world, like, I'm not gonna lie. That's a different episode. <laughs> so, like, I went through that phase, and then all of a sudden, I found the man in my dreams, and all of a sudden, I was, like, trying to be this, like, saint, but he was, like, let's, let's have the saint outside and the, the sinner inside, and, like, you know, like, he was, like, like ready for it. And so I think we run up against that. I know because I'm an energetic that if I don't have an orgasm, that it's doesn't, I think we think there's some shame around that. I'm not going to have an orgasm every time. I don't know if you guys do, and I can still have a freaking blast and still be in pleasure and still be in joy, and still have a whole moment. So I think one thing is we need to stop saying like, you have to have an orgasm. Like that's the end goal. That's the end game. Like I say, let's go for a journey. Let's go for a ride. It's not about the end game. So I think we focus too much on the end game. I think as females, we focus, I think we come in and we're like, Oh my God, am I going to have an orgasm? I think there's just too much focus on the end game. So don't focus on the end game, like enjoy the ride. It's great. I personally cannot just orgasm from penetration sex I have to have some sort of stimulus and for me stimulus is energetic so like we talk in my relationship like he's like I have an energetic cock and I can feel his energy coming into me and then I think about like having sex with the planets and like that's what really stimulates me you gotta find your thing everyone's different right
1: I'm sorry I love that I love that so much. I asked this question at the end about like where to find you and all that, because I've already looked at your website and I'm like, God, when we're done with this interview, the amount of like, because I've been reading in in bits and pieces and I'm like, "I, I want all of it. I'm interested. Because think about it. We have such a narrow view of how we see the world. I mean, outing myself recently, I was like, I've been thinking of the solar system. And the stars when I have an orgasm.
2: Yeah, I think about birthing new planets when I have an orgasm. Yeah, that's so freaking cool, man. Just like out pops like the new moon hello, I've burned the pink planet and it has like five moons. So like I'm all about it. So that's an energetic thing. For someone else, it might be like, I need like clitoral stimulus or I need to like feel like, you know, some sort of like sensation or some kink. I need some like slapping or, you know, something that also really turns me on because I'm kink second is if I'm going to show you, I'm going to scratch and then I pet it with something furry. And that really like turns me on and stuff like that. So we all have things. And so I think instead of like, There is only one blueprint and it's sexual and it can be male or female or... The thing is, is I myth bust all the time. because who comes to me is males who have a lot of shame because they're more like energetic, sensual, and women are like attacking their penises and they're like, ah! and then they think they're not a man because it's not turning them on and I'm like no this is the thing and then women are like feeling lots of shame because they just want to go to pound pound and they're like oh my god I'm supposed to be all furry and fuzzy and stuff like that so there's lots of like shame and lots of myth thrusting that I have to like break but it's like really just finding what turns you on and this is an exploration when people come to me I, I give them like a menu of all the different things and I say we're looking for your nose just as much as we're looking for your yeses and to celebrate them both instead of getting, I think we get caught up and like, somebody says, no, I don't like that. And all of a sudden, right. We're like, ah, and instead of be like, yes, we found a no, I'll know not to do that. That's awesome. <laughs> I love the way that you're talking about
0: this because I think it was our second interview that we had with Carrie, who was a dating and relationship expert. And she was talking about dating, like use it as practice. And I had never heard that in 29 years of living. I was like, that's an awesome way to look at it. So you're basically saying the same thing. Practice makes perfect. Practice different things. Try different things. Explore different things. Explore yourself to really find what makes you happy. What brings you joy.
2: And then celebrate it, celebrate it. I think we find the thing and then we're like, okay, now I'm the next thing. And I'm like, you know, it happens all the times where my clients, they like accomplish something. They came to me, they accomplished the thing. And they're like, okay, but now I, and I'm like, no, we are gonna celebrate. <laughs> we have climbed the mountain. We have reached Everest. We're gonna have a party. And that I think just is a
1: general in life too. How many times that you achieve something and instead of celebrating it, you're now like, okay, well, what's the next step? Well, take a breath. You just did a really hard thing. Celebrate it. Be excited for yourself. You like accomplished something that if you were to go back, stand from a past lens, so to speak, and look at where you are presently, you would have been like, oh my God, that's so far away. It's so hard to achieve. And you did it. So be proud of yourself. Yeah. Balloons, baby. I'm ready. Let's celebrate.
2: Yeah. And that's what I do. And I have my clients. I mean, we open. What are you celebrating? Every single session. What are you celebrating?
1: I'm going to be texting Emily. What are you celebrating?
0: I just want like poppers at the end of my bed. And and then
2: you do, you start celebrating. Like right now I'm celebrating. I have, you can't really see that, but I have this magical new lamp that's like crystals hanging. It's, it's so kitschy and I'm like looking at it and I'm like, yes, yeah, the lamp.
1: Yeah. It's learning to appreciate the tiniest things and that not only sexually, but that I think plays into the real world as well. I mean, people don't realize how connected all of your everything's are.
2: And that's why I said I was, I was going in for a reason, right. And everyone comes to me for a reason. And then it stemmed into everything. Cause now I celebrate everything. I'm not just celebrating like when me and my man have orgasmic sense, you know, I'm celebrating like my lamp and I'm celebrating like being on this podcast with you and stuff like that. I'm celebrating everything. And then when we celebrate, cause I also do manifesting work or I like to call it femifesting. More celebrating that up levels our energy. So if you're constantly like living in this thing of like not celebrating and going and going and going and going, then you're going to stay in that energy. But if you're like, ah, I did the thing. Yes, 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 yes. Even when you're saying no, right? You still have the vibration of I found the no, I found the no, I found the no. And then you can just have more and more and more and more fun. Boundaries
1: are so important and especially energetic boundaries. I was just telling a woman I know, I was like, You need to learn to draw energetic boundaries. She's like, I do draw boundaries. I said, No, no, energetic, very different. I said, It's easy to say no, but say no with an intention behind it because I find she says yes for things even when she wants to say no and it's at her own expense. And then I see her getting stressed out and I'm like, You have to learn to like, I'm a big yes person. I think we hear this a lot with women. Yes, yes, yes to everything. And the first time I was like, mm, no, this doesn't make me feel good. I felt really bad that I was saying no. because I was like, oh, I'm going to hurt someone's feelings. And then the more I started to do it, I still feel a little uncomfortable doing it. But there are times where like, even with Emily, I'm like, hey, girlfriend, can't make it tonight. I'm done. I'm wiped from the day. The answer is No. She's like, okay, no
2: problem. Still love you. Whenever someone says no to me, I'm like, thank you for taking care of yourself. Thanks. And I encourage the no just as much as the yes. You know what I mean? Yes can always be turned into a no. A no stays a no unless you do a no and. So no and ask me in five minutes. No and ask me next week kind of thing. But if you just say a no, right, if you just say a no, then in our culture, we need to respect that. No. And so I have this with my partner. Like if I say no and I change to a yes, it's probably because I'm feeling bad. And he'll be like, you said, no, let's wait until tomorrow. And so that is how you do it. And so if a girl says no to you and you're right, you can say no, you can be midway. He could be about to come. I don't give a shit. And you say no. And he pops out and be like, okay. And you don't give any specifics then you say, I will respect you. You know, let's talk about it next week. Let's do it tomorrow, whatever. We need to respect that. No, that first no, because there's something in our bodies that is rejecting what's going on. And then we get in and I get into it too. And I'm like, no, nah, 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 nah. you know what I mean? And then people are like, well, what if you're a maybe? And I go, that's when you say no. And you're blowing my mind right now. There's so many things I'm like writing notes
1: down. You were saying a go guy on the brink of orgasm. That kind of just leads to the next question. Are there different types of orgasms? Oh my
2: God, so many different types of orgasms. We could have another episode and I always forget the exact number, but I think it's like 21 female orgasms and 17 male orgasms that we can possibly have. And then with that, we break it down and they're kind of like we're both having like the same thing, but yeah. And so the thing is, is like I said, there's like energetic orgasms and that means like orgasms without ever being touched. Like I said, he winks across the room and I'm like coming.
1: And it's interesting you say that too, because I've said so many times with my partner, we've been best friends Since we were in high school, he saw me date guys. I saw him date girls. I met some of his partners. He's met some of mine. I always say one day, but there was like a trickle of events that led to me going, oh my God, I'm in love with him. He's like, welcome. I've been here forever. But I always say that I feel so close to him when we're like holding hands or like when we kiss, like sometimes that feels more intimate to me than the actual act of sex does. I feel less alone, which is kind of nice. I'm like, oh my God, there's a thing. There's like a,
2: there's a whole group. There's a whole world, my friend, I have to like, remember, and that's what my partner was just saying to me, he's like, you have to remember that, like, not everyone thinks the way you think, you know, <laughs> and I'm, like, well, I'm trying to weed out the riffraff. <laughs> so you have
1: that glow all the time. I mean, but it makes you feel good. It just, all of that makes you feel good. And I think that's, it's also acceptance of self, right? I think for people to accept maybe some of like the kinks that they have, or some of the sexual preferences, it's all on a spectrum. That's something I'm even learning. It's all on a spectrum and you could feel a little bit more masculine one day and a little bit more feminine the other, and it all lives and ebbs and flows and you find what you like. Like you said, now I'm going to start saying you celebrate the things that you don't. Don't beat yourself up if you enjoy a toe being put into a mouth
2: no and I mean there are some kinkies I'll tell you one of my kinks that everyone just thinks is hilarious so one thing that I really want to do that I have a huge fantasy about is I want to be a plant I want to be a costume I look at costumes of plants or whatever and we're we're gonna have a plant party but like plant and farmer party we're like with my plants I like decorate them and I talk to them and I like dote them and I put them in the sun and I'm like give them reiki and I'm like obsessed with my plants my plants are my babies So that's that's how I want to be treated. That's no penetration. And everyone just thinks that's like so weird. And I'm like, yeah. And so kink, when we talk about kink, is anything taboo for you? Now there are totally people who are like BDSM, like whips and chains and make it rock. Totally. And I'm all about that. Like everyone, no yucking your yum. If you're not hurting anyone, if there's consent, great, have it. But I also like people are like, Well, I don't know what this is. Anything that makes you feel a little edgy, a little like, oh, I'm a little naughty or this is a little like, that is a kink and it's okay. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. Don't yuck. somebody's yum. And like I said, if everyone's consenting, if it's all agreed upon, if we've done the whole thing, then why are we shaming anyone? I don't have to do something that I don't want to do, but if these two people are doing something that they both agreed upon and it makes sense for them, then who am I to judge? But society needs more of that
1: because there's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of stigma around kink communities. And again, I use taboo because that's my word I go to. But anything that feels a little naughty, a little taboo, there's stigmas around it. And I think they can be very harmful. And especially, you know, I would think media displays kind of the more intensified versions of some of these things. But I've been so fascinated by that as I got older. And I did a lot of my own research. And I found that there were there were rules and boundaries. And like, there's after care you don't just come in and start beating the out of somebody and it's like take that you stupid pick but the minute the play is over you have to like there's aftercare to it for the dominant or for the the submissive so not everybody thinks like me like us i wish more people would take the time to research to see what you're seeing in 50 shades of gray is not the reality of what actually is
2: and even in 50 shades of greats they do do a document but mostly in the kink community you have a contract you have agreement and you do right aftercare is a thing specifically you know you talk about it even in relationships even when you're not having kink okay like i need to be cuddled for at least 10 minutes before we're like doing the next thing or whatever you need like we all need our things but specifically in the kink there is so much between a dom and a sub that goes into that agreement beforehand and i know i know professional dominatrix and there is just so much into that world and i think we have so much judgment and it is agreed upon by the sub and the dom now just like everything there are shiesty people and there are shiesty agreements and there are things that people do dom stuff and kink stuff and they don't have aftercare and they don't know what they're doing and they look at tv or like some corner, porn owner acted out right specifically I think if we're like kids and they're like this is how it is kids if you're listening there are like agreements and contracts and it is like that and then you also have like you have green light and red light and yellow light and like talking in the moment of what's going on.
1: Are there any myths about
2: the female orgasm? It's one that keeps coming up to me. I believe that every single person who wants to have an orgasm can have an orgasm. And I think it may not happen every single time, but I think what is preventing is a lot of shame, a lot of blockages, a lot of mind stuff. And I also think it's a lot of not knowing. Like I said, I didn't even actually know what turned me on. My first partner to give me like a mind-blowing orgasm was the partner I have now. But that's because I learned what turned me on like I think I say this and one of my boyfriends is going to be like, oh my God, well, I didn't even know how, how could you know how to give me an orgasm? If I don't even know how to give me an orgasm, <laughs> So like, like that's just not like fair. So I think what I'm saying is if you want to have an orgasm, I totally think that can happen for you. I'm more about, are you having pleasure? Is this pleasurable for you? That's what I'm focused on. I'm not really focused on, are you having an orgasm? I want to know Does this make you feel pleasure?
0: But that's key. Communication, education, all of this stuff. Steph and I are trying to do with this podcast. That is what it is. It is education-based so that people can walk away with the knowledge, knowing that they're not alone, that they can dive into this stuff without it being taboo. It's just creating a world where we're communicating with one another instead of putting ourselves all in different boxes and saying, nope.
1: And feeling empowered to ask for what you want. Yeah.
0: Which leads me to my question of what does women empowerment mean to you, Dawn?
2: So I am a person who has had a lot of women tear me down and I'm not going to lie. I haven't always been perfect. I've also teared women down. So I always want to like call that up. And what I learned more is again, we're going back to this thing that I'll just say over and over women empowerment is when you are celebrating and not shaming that woman. Don't yuck. Her for her yum, right? If it's not harming you, if it's not hurting you, I think we have this thing as like bringing each other down instead of lifting each other up. And that's what I'm all about. Doesn't mean that I have to do whatever that woman is doing, but if it's something that is accelerating her, is making her feel confident, empowered, is giving her joy, then I'm going to celebrate her. I'm going to uplift her. I'm going to be like, yeah yeah you do that I always say if you're gonna get along with me if you're shameless like I have done horrible horrible things and horrible horrible things have happened to me and I'm just like I'm not playing the shame game anymore I think we
1: all need to kind of remind ourselves of that we always say perfect doesn't exist yeah.
2: It's just a
0: word. So my last question for you, Miss Dawn, is what advice would you give your
2: 15-year-old self? Oh, my poor 15-year-old self. Man, I would say definitely break up with your boyfriend. We've heard that one before. I needed to break up Don't with that Don't do it, boy. girl. It's not worth it. I would say if it's 15, because I had sex when I was 15 going on 16, I would say break up before you have sex with that guy, because he just made me feel like he was just like the worst. Sorry. No,
1: don't be. He's the worst. We don't even know him. And he's. I will call him out, Doug. You were
0: the
2: worst. You made me feel like such crap. Oh, I would just say that. And then it's something I tell people now, and it's kind of hard because, you know, I'm in my 30s. So, you know, people want to find their people, but it's something that I wish that I had known you're going to find your person. It's going to make complete sense when you find your person. And until that, have fun. Do go out on dates. Just enjoy, again, enjoy the ride. I think we're trying, like forever, I was definitely one of those people who was trying to get to the end game, trying to find my soulmate, trying to find that person, trying to find, and I wasn't enjoying the ride. And now I'm a laugh about the people I dated. And I was like, if I was just like, yeah, this is fun. It would have been so different. Oh, preaching to the choir. My God. Sometimes I'm
1: like, geez, Louise, what was I doing? Yeah, so
2: serious. I was so serious. So don't be serious. Just enjoy the ride. Definitely get rid of that first boyfriend.
1: I think that's excellent advice. And I think we could all take it. Build that time machine, baby. I'm
0: ready. No, he taught me a lot of stuff that I needed to know.
2: And I say that all the time. He told me exactly what I don't want in a relationship. And he is how I built confidence in any other relationship is if it reminded me even a little bit of that relationship, I was out. I
1: absolutely adored everything about this conversation. It was precisely what I thought it was going to be and more. I love your website. I love your Instagram. I love talking to you and I want other people to feel that love. So my question is, where can our listeners find you? And do you have any fun or exciting projects we should keep our little peepers open for?
2: So I definitely recommend that everyone goes and right now instantly friends me on Instagram at joyful body with two L's. As far as any projects, I'm really just trying to build my one-on-one clients. I'm doing this thing where I want to see what it takes for somebody to be sexually and spiritually liberated. So I have three month and six months packages and can get on a 30 minute call with me. I like to be transparent. I am on the higher end of things. I'm really good at what I do. I will get you results. And so I just want to be transparent with what you're like getting on. But those 30 minutes might just be exactly what you need. And if it's not me, I always say I'm happy to put you in touch with someone I know. Well,
1: you know your worth and you also understand the importance of community. So we support that wholeheartedly. And if those 30 minutes are anything like this podcast, worth it do it. Everyone listening. Thank you. I literally, I don't think I've ever written more quotes
0: down from somebody. So bless you for that.
2: By the way, thank you so much. You guys are so good at the questions.
0: Oh, oh, oh thanks. thanks. That's cool. pat myself on the back and celebrate that one. That's a win. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We always say time is precious. Time is money. So the fact that you spent some of your time educating, inspiring, empowering us is huge. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners. For listening in, we hope you learned something today. We certainly did. And thanks for syncing up with us. We hope you sync up with us next time.